I got somebody ought to go ahead and give that praise to God. While you're clapping your hands, somebody make a joyful noise in this place. One writer said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you understand that he did not just say to shout, but there was a specific directive. He said to shout a particular way. You know, I love the outdoors and I love to hunt. And one of the first things they started teaching me how to hunt was predators. Do I got any predator hunters in the building? Them coyotes and foxes. I got a couple in the building. And, and one of the first things they taught me was how to attract the predator. And we'd get out in a field and they'd set up a little decoy and they would begin what they call predator calls. And you want to know what attracted the predator? was the sound of wounded prey. And when that sound started going, you could look out and I, I wouldn't see an animal as far as you could see. But after just a few moments of that distress signal, all of a sudden I would see the little ears of the coyotes coming over the hills and the foxes because they were attracted to the sound of wounded prey. How many of you understand the Bible says uh, that our enemy, Satan, uh, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom uh, he may devour. Can I just tell you this morning uh, that one of the things he's attracted to uh, is a distress signal. Uh, and so if you come to the house of God uh, and you got complaining on your lips uh, or you walk in and your body language uh, is bent over uh, and you're distressed, there is an enemy of your soul uh, that is attracted uh, to that distress. Uh, that's why the writer said uh, when you shout, shout with a particular sound. Shout with a voice of triumph. You gotta let the devil know when you walk in the house of the Lord that I've got victory. I'm not on the menu today. I'm not fair game, but I've got come on somebody in the building. One more time, clap your hands and shout with a voice. Uh, let the devil hear you roar. Uh, let the enemy hear you shout. Uh, let the enemy hear you rejoice. Uh, woo! Push your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, I got victory this morning. I got victory this morning. I didn't come in here afraid. I didn't come in here backing up. I didn't come in here just trying to hang on until Jesus comes. I didn't come in here on the defense, but I came in here with a promise in my spirit. I just need about five witnesses in the building. I came with expectation in my spirit this morning. Amen. Amen. You excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Woo! Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. I like that right there. Uh, just, just for a moment. I want to take a brief moment to say what a privilege it is to be back in the house of the Lord with you this morning. 
And uh, I, I count it such a privilege to be back. I think it's been about almost nine years since I was here. And I know I'm better looking than I was nine years ago. I, I know. Don't embarrass me. I know. I'll just. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to get some of y'all to smile a little bit this morning. Tell your neighbor the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I am excited about what God is doing in this place. And uh, I want to give great honor this morning to the angel of this house, the angel of this city, your great pastor and pastor's wife. Would you help me give God a praise for your leadership? I think we could do just a little bit better than that this morning. Um, if you thank God for giving you a great man of God and woman of God, you ought to rejoice this morning. Amen. Love and appreciate them. And uh, I have known your pastor for many, many, many years. Um, I think he may have just been out of diapers when I first met him. And uh, just kidding. Uh, but it has been a long time. And, uh, and uh, he may have even been a teenager. I, I don't know when I first met him many years ago. And uh, I have watched as God has placed a powerful anointing and calling upon his life. And uh, what a blessing that God saw fit to bring them to Carson City, Nevada. To facilitate breakthrough revival in northern Nevada. I'm excited about it this morning. Amen. Again, thank you for all of the, the hospitality and the wonderful meals and all of the kindness that you've shown. And uh, I'm excited about what the Lord wants to do in this place. Now, I hope you came ready to have church this morning. I, I hope you got a good night's rest. Anybody, did you get some sleep? And, uh, and I hope you ate your Wheaties this morning. And, and, and if you're over 65, I hope you took your Geritol before you came to church. This Come on, somebody, because I didn't come to mess around this morning. I came to have some church in this place. Oh, is there anybody in the building beside me that came to have some church up in here, up in here? Now, I've got to inform you like I remind our church every once in a while. Tell your neighbor, preaching is not a spectator sport. You cannot spectate, but you have to participate. How many of y'all ready to preach with me this morning? Come on, are you ready to preach with me? Tell your neighbor you can preach better on your feet. Come on, tell your neighbor you can preach with the preacher better on your feet. Stand with me as we go to the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. What an amazing job your praise team and music is done and Man, it is exciting to see everything that is going on around here. And uh, what an expectation of greatness. And uh, I believe God's going to do something special before we leave this building today. Amen. Book of Genesis chapter 11 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me today. Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 1. Genesis 11 and 1. Have you ever wondered why preachers often announce their text twice? It's because men don't listen the first time. <laughs> I thought I'd get all the ladies to say amen right there. 
You ever noticed in the word of the Lord, sometimes God had to do it. Abraham, Abraham. He had to say it twice. You never see him doing that to a lady in the word of the Lord. Third time, Genesis chapter 11. Verse number one says, And the whole earth was of one language. Somebody say one language. And of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another. You know, it makes a difference who you talk to. It makes a difference who, what kind of company you keep up and the people you have conversations with. They said one to another, go to and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. One transliteration renders verse 6 like this. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. And for a few moments this morning, I want to preach to this church from three simple words. I'm all in. I just need somebody to go ahead and shout that this morning. I'm all in. Come on, make it a personal declaration this morning. I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. Whatever I've got to do, I'm all in. Whatever it Come on, somebody. Clap your hands if you believe the word of the Lord in this place today. You may be seated if you promise to preach with me today. Now, I want to do something a little bit different because most of the time when we preach from this text, we preach in a context of negativity concerning the Tower of Babel. But I want to take a moment to extrapolate a revelation from the text that has uh, quite a positive connotation to it. Uh, is that all right this morning? Uh, the first observation that I want to make this morning uh, is the fact that the Bible says uh, that God came down to where they were uh, to see what had happened. Uh, can you imagine the God of the universe uh, as he is contemplating whatever it is? 
is that he contemplates. Uh, he takes notice uh, of something that is happening down uh, in the land of Shinar. Uh, and the Bible says that what was happening uh, was so uh, spectacular uh, that it caused God to say, uh, I've got to leave my throne uh, and go down to where they are uh, to see uh, what is taking place. Now you understand theologically uh, that God is omnipresent, uh, which means he doesn't have to go anywhere uh, to be anywhere. Uh, he's at all places at the same time uh, equally. Uh, however, this is an anthropomorphic expression uh, of God trying to emphasize the fact uh, that there was something going on there uh, that caused God to stop uh, the course of heaven uh, and say, I've got to get down there uh, and find out uh, what is happening uh, amongst those people. I don't know about you uh, this morning, uh, but that's the kind of church uh, that I want to be a part of. Uh, I want to be a part of a church uh, that God says, hey, uh, angels, come over here. Uh, you've got to see uh, what's happening over uh, in Carson City. Uh, I want to be a church uh, that causes God uh, to stop by every weekend and say, hey, uh, there's something powerful uh, and something special uh, that's going on in there. I just need about 10 uh, radical people in the building. God said, I've got to get down there uh, and see uh, what's happening. Uh, and it was so powerful uh, that the Bible says uh, that when he got down there, uh, that what he observed uh, caused him to say uh, that whatever uh, they make up in their mind to do, uh, it will be possible uh, for them. Uh, whatever it is uh, that God saw uh, caused him to make the observation that there shall be nothing uh, restrained from them uh, that they decide uh, to do. Now, I can't help but imagine the Bible says that they were conversating amongst themselves. They were having some discussions concerning their vision, and they began to make the assessment and the decision that we need to build a, a tower. And they began, I can see it as it happens, uh, to, to plan and figure out uh, how they were going to build uh, the tower. Uh, and inevitably, uh, somebody had to make a decision uh, how tall uh, or how big uh, are we going to make the tower. Uh, we've got to make a decision uh, how big it's going to be. Uh, and perhaps there was somebody uh, that said, you know what, uh, it needs to be three levels tall. Uh, three levels is a tall structure uh, and I think uh, it needs to be three levels tall. Uh, but then there was probably somebody else uh, that said, wait up a second. Uh, that, that There's no need for all of that. Uh, we don't need anything three levels tall. Uh, just make it one level. Uh, one level should be sufficient. Uh, and then maybe somebody else said, no, uh, it doesn't need to be one level uh, and it doesn't need 
need to be three levels. Let's make it five levels tall. I don't know what the discussion looked like, but somewhere there was somebody in the crowd that said, hold on a second. Why are we putting a limit on how high the tower can be? Somebody got a revelation that said, you know what? Let's take the limits off of the tower and let's build it as high as we can get it. Let's build it as tall as we can. I came to preach to Apostolic Revival Center. It's time for somebody to take the limits of what God wants to do in this city. I came to preach to some devils of this city today and let them know that we serve a God of the impossible, that we serve a God that is not limited. I'm going to need some help in the building. I came to serve notice that I serve a God that the Bible says of the increase of his kingdom and of his government that there is no ending to it. I need somebody in the building to begin to mix your faith with the word of the Lord in this house and say, come on, it's time to build it high. It's time to build it wide. Is there anybody ready to take the limits off? Is there anybody ready? I came to preach to you today uh, that I believe God has anointed uh, your man of God and his wife uh, to walk into the city uh, and tear the roof uh, off of the place uh, and to make uh, and draw a line in the sand uh, that says we are going to be limited uh, no longer. Uh, we are going to push the boundaries. Uh, we are going to push uh, the limitations. I just need 10 people uh, with faith in your spirit uh, that said, Come on, pastor. Uh, let's push this thing. Uh, come on, man of God. Uh, let's get it high. Uh, come on, man of God. Uh, let's push out the walls. Uh, come on, man of God. I need some people in the building uh, that got some faith today uh, that said, let's go. Uh, let's do it. Uh, let's build it. Uh, let's make it be. Is there anybody ready this morning? Uh, I said, is there anybody ready this morning? There's got to be a spirit that gets a hold of us uh, that says we refuse uh, to live within the confines uh, of limitation. Uh, devil, you're not going to sequester us. Uh, devil, you're not going to limit us. Uh, devil, you're not going to hold us down. Uh, can I just preach to this church for a moment uh, that God does not have a city uh, with a church in it, uh, but God has a church uh, with a city around it. Uh, this is the most important thing uh, happening in this city. I just need three shouters. Uh, this is the most powerful thing uh, taking place uh, in the state. Uh, this is There's no accident uh, that this church uh, is in the capital city uh, of the state. Uh, God has called you uh, to challenge strongholds. Uh, God has called you uh, to take dominion. Uh, God has called you uh, to take authority. Uh, and it's time uh, to take the Limits off. Woo. My God, my God, 
you got to get so radical that you don't care who walks up in this building and isn't with the program. You got to get so radical that you don't care. You make up in your mind, we're going to dominate with what God has called us to do. We're going to set the stage. We're going to declare a new direct. Come on, somebody. It's time to take the limits off. It's time for us. And when God saw what was happening down there, it caused God to say, you see all of this? There are some ingredients that when I find these things in the midst of a people, there's nothing that they cannot accomplish. I came to preach to Apostolic Revival Center today. God sent me all the way. I know we had church Friday night, but tonight's the real conference. Tonight's the, the, the core of what God's got for us. I'm, I came to declare unto you that God said it's time to take the limits off. And it's got to start with your thinking. It's got to start with your mind. It's got to start uh, with our attitudes. Uh, it's got to start uh, with our disposition. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, you've got to learn uh, how to walk through the doors of this house uh, with an unlimited mindset, uh, with an expectation. We can't just keep singing the songs uh, that say anything uh, can happen. Uh, we've got to stop singing the song uh, and start living the life. Uh, if you believe uh, that anything can happen, uh, you ought to act like it this morning. Uh, if you believe uh, that anything can happen, uh, you ought to get excited this morning. Uh, if you believe uh, that anything can happen, uh, it ought to cause you to get up uh, out of your seat uh, with excitement expectation in your spirit anything can happen it's got to start I may never get further than this this morning it's got to start with unlimited vision the first thing that God does when he brings his people to the promised land is he goes to the man of God and says, see, I have given you the city. Before I give you the plan, you've got to have the vision. Before I give you the details, you've got to be able to. I got a question for Ark this morning. Can you see it in your mind? Come on, it, it, it does no good to keep preaching until I got some people that can close your eyes and you can see it. I can see the building being way too small. I can see us in the next facility. I can see us tripling and quadrupling. I can see us breaking strongholds. I can see, come on, somebody. It starts with our thinking. It starts with our vision. I need some people right now to take the limits off of your response to the word of the Lord. Hear me. Hear me. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. 
There is one place in the Bible that says that the word of the Lord was of none effect to them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It's not that the word wasn't preached. It's not that the seed wasn't released. And it wasn't that they didn't hear it. The missing ingredient was that when the word came forth, they let it fall on their lap and they never mixed it with their faith. You see, when the seed of God's word hits the building on a Sunday morning, it is your responsibility to take your faith and start to mix it with the word coming forth. When you begin to mix your faith with the word that's declared, there is something magical that begins to unfold in the spirit realm. There is something supernatural that begins to break loose in the spirit realm. I dare somebody right now to start mixing your faith with the word of God in this place. Is this all right? Is it okay if I just follow the Holy Ghost? How many of you are ready for the unexplainable? How many of you are ready for the incomparable? How many of you are ready for that which cannot be contained? I'm going to give you a revelation this morning. There was a time when King David, you understand, he was the first young man in the nation of Israel to kill a giant. He did it as a young man. And he earned his reputation as a giant killer. And every time they would go to battle and they had to face a giant, you know what they did? They said, somebody go get David. Somebody, oh, come on. Uh, somebody go get our giant killer. Uh, hey, pastor, uh, there's a giant we got to deal with. Uh, we know you're anointed. Uh, we know you're appointed. Uh, can you handle the pressure? Uh, can you handle the side? We don't know. Uh, sure. Come on. Uh, and so uh, David took the risk. Uh, and David took the pressure. Uh, and every time there was a giant, uh, they would send out David. Uh, oh, yeah. And they'd sing the songs David uh, killed uh, his tens of thousands. Uh, but can I preach to you this morning? Uh, that there came a day uh, when David got into a fight uh, with a particular giant, uh, a giant uh, by the name of Ishbibanab. Uh, and when he got in the fight uh, with Ishbibanab, uh, the Bible says uh, that Ishbibanab uh, began to whip uh, the daylights out of David, uh, and he beat him down uh, so vociferously uh, that the Bible says uh, when the army looked over. Uh, at their man of God, at their leader, uh, they thought uh, that he had died. Uh, they thought uh, that he had been killed. I just want you to lay on the ground for a moment. Uh, uh, they looked over uh, and said, oh, uh, what happened? Uh, David's never lost uh, a battle to a giant. Uh, what happened? Uh, he's never been beat uh, by a giant. Uh, you want to know uh, what the name Ishbibanab means? Uh, the name Ishbibanab means uh, sit back uh, and do nothing. Uh, 
David could destroy every giant uh, that came against him uh, except the giant uh, of sit back uh, and do nothing. Uh, can I just preach to you for a moment uh, that your pastor uh, and pastor's wife uh, are anointed by God uh, to stand against every giant uh, that comes against this church. Uh, but there is one giant uh, that they cannot kill. Uh, there is one giant uh, that if it ever gets loose in a church uh, will destroy your man of God. Uh, and that is the spirit uh, of sit back uh, and do nothing. Uh, if the devil can ever convince you uh, to come in here on a Sunday morning uh, and sit back uh, and just let him carry the weight uh, and let him pray uh, and let them push, uh, he will defeat uh, your man of God. Oh, but the story's not over. All of a sudden, there was a young man that looked over and saw him laying there. And he said, hey, that giant is killing my man of God. And you know what he did? He said, I can't let that happen. There's no way I can sit back and do nothing while that giant defeats my man of God. And so he grabbed his sword and he said, you know what? I've never fought a giant before. I've never done this before. But bless God, if he dies, I'm going to die with him. And he stepped on the scene. And for the first time, somebody else killed the giant. Church, I came to preach to you that somebody else has to kill the giant of sit back and do nothing. There's got to be somebody else. You want to know how you kill that giant? By getting on your feet and engaging every time you come to the house of God. Every time it's time to do something. Pastor, you're not by yourself. First lady, you're not by yourself. We're not going to let you carry it by yourself. Uh, come on, I need some people uh, in the building uh, to shout, uh, I'm all in. Uh, come on, shout it uh, until the devil hears you. Uh, I'm all in. Uh, you can count me in, uh, Pastor and First Lady. Uh, I'm going to pray with you. Uh, I'm going to shout with you. Uh, I'm going to reach the city with you. Uh, I'm going to work with you. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, with you. I need somebody in the building uh, to pull out a sword uh, and approach the giant uh, of Ishbibanab uh, and let him know, uh, not in this house, uh, not in this city, uh, not in this church. I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever it takes. I refuse to sit back and do nothing. I refuse to get in cruise control mode. I refuse to sit back and just let things unfold. You are not called to just let things unfold. You are called to make a difference. You are called to make a change. You're anointed by God to turn the kingdom of hell upside. And so, God said, there are some things that I recognize that because of these things, that people will accomplish whatever they make up in their mind to do. Is anybody interested in knowing what those things are today? The first thing that God says 
is he says, the people are one. There is a revolution, a revelation that comes uh, when a people begin to realize uh, the power uh, of unity. Uh, that two uh, are better than one. Uh, and a threefold cord uh, cannot easily. That's something that happens to a church uh, when they begin to understand uh, that one can put a thousand to flight uh, and two can put ten. What would happen uh, if every person in this church uh, got a revelation uh, that we're one people? Uh, what happened if we all prayed? What happened if we all worshiped? What would happen if we all gave? What would happen if we all worked? What would happen today if we would all shout, we're one people? I came this morning uh, to curse uh, the spirit of division. Uh, I came this morning uh, to declare a curse uh, over cliques. Uh, I came, uh, I know I'm being bold in the Holy Ghost, uh, but I came to declare war uh, against spirits uh, of division uh, that want to put separation uh, between you and your church, uh, that want to put separation uh, between you and a brother in the church, uh, that want to drive a wedge between you uh, and a I declare war on every devil in hell that wants to separate you from your man of God, that wants to separate you from the call of God. You've got to get a revelation that we are one people. Come on, I declare it. I just need about 50 people in the building to lift up your voice and declare it with me this morning. This is my church. This is my city. This is my brothers and sisters. This is my man of God. This is my anointing. This is my calling. The people are one people. High five somebody and tell them I've got your back. High five somebody else, tell them I've got your back. Those people, he said, are one people. There's no cliques and divisions. I come against spirits of tribalism. I come against spirits of us four and no more. I come against every devil in hell that wants to isolate people. I come against every devil in hell. Come on, you better wake up and understand that it's a trick of the enemy because he understands more than you do the power of unity and the oneness of God's people. How many of you have a revelation there's only one God? What about the rest of us? How many of you have a revelation uh, that there's only one God? You see, we do good uh, about celebrating our revelation of one God, uh, but we need to have just as much of a revelation uh, and a celebration uh, of one body. Uh, come on. Uh, we've got to be just as passionate uh, about our revelation uh, of one body. Uh, we're not three. Uh, we're not eight. Uh, we're not separated. Uh, we are one. Uh, people, somebody shout in this place. got to get to the place where you you say pastor I'm right or die cut me open and I bleed apostolic revival center come on anybody know what I'm talking about cut me open and I bleed 
apostolic revival center. This is my church. This is where God saved me. This is where God sustains me. This is where God keeps me. This is where God has come. Come on. We are one people. said they are one people. The second thing that God indicates, he said they speak the same language. Hey, I love this because when people speak the same thing, it is an indicator that their heart is in the same place. Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you find a people that are speaking the same language, it is indicative of a people who have gathered their passions together. They're unified in what they're excited about. They're unified. They speak the same language everywhere they go. They're talking about the year of favor. Uh, everywhere they go, uh, they're talking about what God's doing. Uh, everywhere they go, uh, they're talking about the word. What's happening? Uh, they have uh, the same uh, language. Uh, they're not sitting around tables complaining. Uh, they're not sitting at restaurants uh, griping about things. Uh, no, they all speak uh, the same language. Come on, I came to preach uh, until I run a devil uh, out of the back door this morning. Uh, I came to preach uh, until I break something loose uh, in this building today. They speak the same language. It was one of the key ingredients to the impossible. If you want to be a church that all things are possible, you got to start speaking the same language. You got to grab a hold of the heart and the passion. Come here, First Lady. You got to grab a hold of the heart and the passion of your pastor and pastor's wife. Whatever they're talking about, whatever God's laid on their mind, that ought to be what becomes our conversation. That ought to be what becomes our speech. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. God didn't call you to be the head. He didn't call you to be the mouthpiece. He put a man of God in place. God called you uh, to get behind your pastor. Uh, God called you uh, to get behind your first lady. Uh, God called you uh, to step up uh, and say, come on, uh, let's go, pastor. Uh, come on, first lady. Uh, you tell us. Uh, and that ought to be what drives uh, our speech. Uh, that ought to be what drives uh, our conversation. <laughs> you want to know what the antithesis of one language is? It's murmuring and complaining. The quickest way, hear me. I'm preaching the spirits right now. The quickest way to abort revival is to get an attitude of murmuring and complaining. Come on, I'm preaching. You understand that God gave his people a promise and a promised land. He said, It's yours. Go get it. It's yours. I brought you out of Egypt to get it. I killed your enemies so that you could get it. I buried your past so that you could have it. I gave you a new identity so you could have the just go get the promise. 
But you know what happened? Uh, they got in the middle of a wilderness, uh, which always signifies uh, a moment of trial, uh, a season of struggle. Uh, and you, how you handle the wilderness uh, will make the difference uh, in you obtaining your promise. Uh, and instead of them trusting God, instead of them uh, lining up behind Moses, uh, instead of, you know what they begin to do? Uh, the Bible said they begin to murmur uh, and they began uh, to complain. Uh, God hated it so much uh, that we find him referencing it uh, all the way later in Scripture. Uh, and he calls it uh, the, the day uh, of provocation. Uh, they provoked uh, my anger uh, because of murmuring uh, and complaining. Uh, they, and you know what happened? Uh, an entire generation uh, was not allowed uh, to step into the promise. Uh, not because it wasn't theirs. Uh, not because Moses was an idiot. Uh, not because of any other problem. Uh, but they had the wrong attitude. Uh, they were murmuring and complaining uh, instead of control. Oh, I feel uh, like I'm preaching uh, in the building right now. Uh, I got a devil by the tail. Uh, You've got to get a revelation uh, that life and death uh, is in the power uh, of your tongue. And if this is going to be a church uh, of the impossible, uh, we've got to get a revelation uh, that we speak uh, the same language. Uh, and it's not the language of complaining. Uh, and it's not the language of murmuring. Uh, but it's the language of faith. Uh, it's the language of promise. Uh, it's the language of vision. Uh, it's the language uh, of expectation. I believe that's why God chose speaking in tongues as the sign of receiving the Holy Ghost. Because James says that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. It's the last thing to submit to God. An out-of-control tongue, hear me, an out-of-control tongue means an out-of-control spirit. An out-of-control conversation means an out-of-control saint of God. If your tongue and your conversation is not holy, if it's not virtuous, if it's not like the Bible says to the edifying, baby, it's time to get in the altar uh, until you pray through. Uh, don't blame your neighbor. Uh, don't blame your wife. Uh, don't blame your husband. Uh, don't blame your pastor. Uh, don't blame your pastor's wife. Uh, you've got to get your heart right. Uh, you've got to get yourself surrendered uh, until your tongue uh, has to bow. Uh, until your tongue uh, is in submission uh, to the Holy Ghost. got to make up your mind. I'm not murmuring and I'm not complaining. Come on. We're going to stay focused on where God's taking us. We're going to stay focused on the promise of God. We're going to say, come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's time to get it made up in your spirit that we're speaking the same language. God said they're one people and they speak the same language. Are you with me? Somebody shout, I'm all in. Come on, shout, I'm all uh, in. Uh, we're serving an eviction.
eviction notice uh, to complaining today. Uh, we're serving a, an eviction notice uh, to murmuring today. Uh, we're stepping over uh, into the promised land. Uh, we're taking uh, what God said. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody uh, that's discontented uh, with running around in the wilderness. Uh, and you're discontented uh, with running around outside uh, of the promise of God. Uh, it's time to change uh, your speech uh, and enter uh, into the promise of God. one people and they speak the same language and then the third thing that God tells us he said this they began to do they are a doing people yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not a people that have a welfare mentality. Sit back and let everybody else do it for us. Hear me, Ark. If you're sitting back waiting for revival to just drop on your laps from heaven, it's not going to happen. If you're just sitting back waiting for some magic preacher to preach some magic sermon, it's not going to happen. If you're sitting back waiting for some circumstance, it's not going uh, to happen. Uh, there is one way uh, that things happen, uh, and it's by a people uh, that are doers. Uh, it's by a You see, it's one thing to have vision, but vision means nothing if you don't do something with it. Don't be the person that has a lot of great ideas but you never show up to help get anything done. I'm not the pastor today. But if you ain't willing to show up and roll your sleeves up, uh, then you ought to put your mouth, uh, put a zipper on it. Uh, you've lost your right to even speak. Uh, because if you, come on, uh, you can't just be a seer. Uh, you've got to be a doer uh, in the kingdom uh, of God. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 1. It says concerning the man that meditates in his law day and night, that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, shall bring forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The problem is we want God to prosper what we're not willing to do. There's only one way that we're going to see the vision of God come to pass. We got to roll up our sleeves and get to work. We got to roll up our sleeves and say, Pastor, I'm all in. Come on, somebody. There's too many of us that have been riding on everybody else's efforts. There's too many of us that have been sitting in rooms of criticism while everybody else is working. God's calling uh, you out. Uh, he's calling you uh, into his promise. Uh, it's time to be uh, a doer. See, vision is seeing it, but mission is doing it. And you've got to attach mission to vision. 
You've got to get it out of the fifth dimension. And if it's going to be a third dimensional reality, there has to be a fourth dimension of movement. There has to be a dimension we enter into where we take the vision of God and we roll up our sleeves and we start praying like what we see. And we start working like what we see. And we start worshiping like what we see. And we start teaching Bible studies according to what we see. Come on, you got to get hand and eye coordination. You have to line up your efforts with your vision. You have to line up your labor with what you see. If you're going to see it come to pass, somebody shout, I'm all in. God's calling some of you uh, off the sidelines uh, and onto the field of labor. Uh, God's calling some of you uh, out of your comfort zones uh, and back into the work of God. Uh, God's calling some of you uh, out of your so-called retirement uh, and putting you back uh, in the kingdom of God. Why? Because uh, we are uh, a doing uh, people. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to some people that used to be more involved than you are now. I'm preaching to people that used to have your sleeves rolled up and you used to work and you used to worship and you used to be involved but somewhere the enemy has lied to you. Somewhere you got discouraged. Somewhere you got hurt or confused and instead of you taking it to an altar and getting victory you've let it cast you aside and you're barely hanging on. God sent this preacher this morning to preach you out of the ditch. God sent this preacher to preach you up out of that bondage uh, and remind you uh, that the call of God uh, is without repentance, uh, that the anointing of God uh, has not changed, uh, that God's call on your life uh, has not left you uh, alone. Come on. Uh, God still wants you. Uh, God still needs you. Uh, God's still reaching. It's time for somebody uh, to get up off the ground uh, and make it up in your mind. I'm going to be uh, a doer. Come on, who am I preaching to? Who am I preaching to? Get out of your self-pity. Get out of wallowing in the mud. Get out of reflecting on yesterday. And get your eyes focused on what God has in front of you. I feel like preaching to somebody in the building. Is this all right, Pastor? I feel like preaching to somebody that everything God has for you is in front of you. So quit looking back. Come on, I'm preaching. Everything, every promise, every blessing, everywhere, it's all in front of you. There's a reason why windshields are bigger than rearview mirrors. Because your rearview mirror is not designed for you to spend all of your time looking behind you. And if you spend all your time in the rearview mirror, you'll wreck the car trying to move forward. Come on, somebody. I know there's some things behind you, but it's time for you to get your hands on the wheel. Get your eyes forward. Get your ears open to what the Holy Ghost is telling you and say, all right, we're a doing people. Come on, Pastor, let's go. I'm with you. Come on, Pastor, you can count on me. Come on, Pastor, I'm in your corner. Let's do the work and let's do the will of God. Somebody give God a praise in this place. 
Come on. I'm all in. Come on. I'm all in. Come on. I'm all in. It's time to be all in in our praying. Come on. It's not God's will for five or six or ten people uh, to carry the church in prayer. Uh, it's time for us to get like the book of Acts church. Uh, they were all in one accord uh, and in one place. Uh, when they all got together, uh, that's when the supernatural happened. Uh, when they all prayed, uh, that's when the Holy Ghost fell. It's time to get all in uh, in our worship. You're not a Baptist. You're not a Catholic. You're not a Presbyterian. And this isn't the first church of the refrigerator. We are a church that is baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Y'all going to make me stop and preach this for a minute. Uh, come on. Uh, I tell you one devil you got to strangle in this building uh, is that devil that wants to say, well, uh, that's just not my personality. Well, uh, that's just not how, how I do. That's just them. And uh, I worship God uh, my own way. I, I kind of praise God uh, the way that I uh, praise God. How many of you know that's not biblical? The Bible calls it the sacrifice of praise the fruit of your lips how many of you know that nowhere in scripture does God say just sacrifice whatever you want I only know one person in the Bible that made up in their mind I'm gonna give God what I want to give him and that was Cain and you ask him how that turned out because that's the mentality he had I'm gonna worship God how I want to I don't need to stand up. I don't need to lift my voice. I don't need to clap my hands. All that dancing, that sounds like Michael looking out the window uh, at Michael. Uh, and you know what God did? Uh, he rejected Cain's sacrifice. Uh, why? Uh, because you didn't do it uh, the way I told you to do it. Uh, Cain, uh, if, and you know what? Cain got all heard about it. Cain sat in his pew. He sat in his pew with his legs crossed, his arms crossed, and his eyes crossed. And God said, Cain, why are you so messed up about, did, did, if you would just do what I told you to do, I would accept your sacrifice just like your brothers. Uh, come on, Cain, uh, don't get an attitude problem. Uh, just sacrifice uh, the way that I told you to sacrifice. How many of you understand uh, that you've got to be all in? Uh, it, when we come together, uh, it's a corporate sacrifice. Uh, come on. When you come into the house of the Lord, uh, you leave your individuality of worship uh, in your personal prayer closet. Uh, because when you come here, uh, you are assembled with the body uh, and we're all in. Uh, that means we worship God. Uh, and how do we worship him? I don't worship him uh, according to my personality. Uh, I don't worship him uh, according to your personality. Uh, you know what? Uh, God told us uh, exactly how uh, to worship him. Uh, oh, I'm glad you asked me to read 
read the scripture. Uh, Psalm 150 uh, answers the question uh, of who, uh, where, uh, and why. Uh, oh, yeah. Praise uh, ye the Lord. Uh, praise God where? Uh, in uh, the sanctuary. Uh, you're in the right place uh, to worship God. Uh, not at your house. I give God. I worship him at home. Uh, I worship him. No. Uh, God said uh, to praise him uh, in uh, the sanctuary. Uh, praise him uh, in the firmament uh, of his power. Then he tells us why. Praise him, verse 2, uh, for his mighty uh, acts. Uh, and praise him uh, according uh, to his excellent uh, greatness. That means if you serve a mighty God, uh, you ought to give him mighty praise. According uh, to his excellent greatness, Turn me up a little bit, sound man. That phrase, according to, is a mathematical term that indicates proportions. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. In other words, if God has not been great to you, then don't give him any praise because he's not worthy of it. But however great he's been to you, your praise ought to be according to his excellent greatness. And I came to preach that God's been better to some of you uh, than what you're praising him this morning. Uh, he's been too good to you uh, for you to sit on your pew. Uh, he's been too good to you uh, for you to keep your mouth closed. Uh, he's been too good to you uh, for you not to clap your hands. Uh, he's been too... Uh, Verse 3 through 5, he tells us how to praise him. Cain, let me remind you, Cain, what acceptable praise looks like. Verse 3, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. We don't have a trumpet in the building, but there's probably a trumpet sound on that keyboard. You ain't got to play it. I'm just glad he didn't say praise him with the trumpet. He said praise him with the sound uh, of the trumpet. Praise him. How else do we praise him? Praise him with the psaltery uh, and uh, with uh, the harp. Uh, praise him uh, with the timbrel. Uh, I see at least one timbrel. Uh, and praise him uh, with uh, the dance. I don't like to dance. This ain't about what you like. This is about what your God likes. I don't care if you've never danced a day in your life. When he becomes your king, you learn how to give him praise in the dance. When he becomes your king, you learn how to give him Some of you all, it's been way too long since you danced for Jesus. listen, I'm going to tell some of y'all, you're going to make God angry with you because before he found you, you'd be up in the club. Or depending on what nationality. 
I don't know what you were doing. And you got the Holy Ghost and ain't ever danced for Jesus. What you're telling God is that you had more passion for the idols you used to worship than for the God you serve right now. I double dog dare you to make up in your mind. I refuse to give more praise to the devil than I do to my God. Somebody praise him in the timbrel and in the dance. This is how God said to praise him. This is how God said to praise him. And we got to be all in. Nobody can dance for you. You got to quit spectating everybody else's worship. I'm sorry. I'm messing up good sermons. You know, when I was in the world, we used to have a term. I grew up in the hood. And when we threw a party, we was poe. Not poor. Poe. There's a difference. When you poe, you can't even afford the other O and R. You poe. We were so poor, we'd go to KFC and lick somebody else's fingers. Poor. And so when we threw a party, we couldn't afford to buy everybody's drinks. So you know what? We had an acronym. B-Y-O-B. Bring your own bottle. Well, you know, when you come to the house of God, we have an acronym. B-Y-O-P. Bring your own praise. I can't dance for you. I can't praise him for you. You gotta give him the praise. If he's been good to you, you gotta dance. You gotta shout. You got somebody in the building. You better let the devil know today. You better let your flesh know. I will bless the Lord at all times. And it bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all. We've got to be all in. We got to be all in. Your pastor, your praise team, your worship leaders, they shouldn't have to pump and prime you uh, like cheerleaders at a high school football game. When you got it in your heart and you have a love for your God, uh, you ought to be looking forward to getting in the church. You ought to be looking forward. It ought to excite you so much that there's certain shoes you won't even wear to church because you can't give him the praise in those shoes. If I can't shout in them, they ain't going to church with me, baby. You got to get radical. Come on. You ought to get so excited about worship that you get out of the car and start stretching in the parking lot. Yeah, I'm in the Bible. Too many of you wait until the preacher hits a certain pitch before you're out here shouting. Or you wait till they play the right song. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I didn't wait to get here. I brought it with me. Enter into his courts with praise. I'm not coming here to get my praise. I brought it in the door with me. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise.
finish him with the stringed instruments and the organs. Praise him upon the loud sounding cymbals. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. And in case uh, you didn't understand all that, uh, he said, let uh, everything uh, that hath breath uh, praise uh, ye uh, the Lord. Uh, the only qualification uh, that you need uh, to dance uh, and shout uh, is the fact uh, that you got breath in your body. Uh, somebody ought to take uh, about 30 seconds uh, and give God uh, a great Come on, Carson City. Come on, Apostolic Revival Center. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. We've got to get all in in soul winning. Come on. I appreciate organized teams going out and we do it at home i'm not negating that but you hear me loud and clear there is no such thing as the outreach team you want to know who the outreach team is it's everybody in this building all of us have a responsibility uh, to testify uh, and to win souls. Come on. Uh, God didn't put you in the vineyard uh, to be fruitless. Uh, God's inspecting your tree. Uh, you ought to be a fruit producer. Uh, come on. Uh, somebody's got to make it up in their mind. I'm all in. Uh, Pastor, uh, I'm all in. Uh, everywhere I go, uh, I'm going to reach somebody. Uh, I'm going to teach Bible studies. Uh, I'm going to disciple. Come on. Uh, Am I preaching to the right church this morning? We've got to be all in in our giving. I lost 80% of my shouters right there. I said we've got to be all in in our giving. Things don't happen because God supplies magic pots of gold. Things happen because God's people obey his word and they're faithful in their giving. Don't stop shouting now. Don't stop shouting now. Come on. There's three areas of life that testify about you. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. The Bible says where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. Not where your heart is. We, we always misquote it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will gravitate to it. Wherever you're investing, you're, you'll automatically gravitate to the thing. The Bible says that money answereth all things. Not it, it's the answer for all things. It answereth. Go look it up in its original context. It means money will testify. Money sits on the witness stand and it testifies either for you or against you. You want to know what somebody's passionate about? Open their checkbook register. I can't get no help up in the building. Whatever they're passionate about, uh, they're going to have an investment in it. Uh, don't say how much you love God and his kingdom uh, and you hardly give to God uh, and you're not faithful in tithing and all. No, no, no. You're contradicting uh, the reality. Uh, you want people to just think. Uh, but your time, uh, your talent, uh, and your treasure uh, will test us. Uh, we got to be all in. Uh, Pastor, you're
you're not going to carry the load by yourself. Uh, come on. Can I, can I just preach where we're living? Can I just preach? When I went to Fort Myers eight and a half years ago, we had 50 people in a little rat-infested shack just eight years ago. I know what I'm talking about. How many of you, now you all have, this is the palace compared to what we had. This is a palace. But how many of you want to see God do something bigger and greater? What about the rest of you? I can, I can tell you right now that your man of God has vision bigger than this house. I spent time with him yesterday. I didn't ask him questions, but it's just coming out of him. We're driving down the roads, and what do you think about that building? And, and man, look, what could we do over here? And uh, I wonder how we could make a, that happen, why the vision is there. And we like to quote the scripture that says, without vision, the people perish. That puts a lot of weight on the visionary, doesn't it? But let me give you a flip side of that coin. Without a vision, the people perish. But without the people, the vision will perish. The vision will die if there's no pro-vision. Vision has to have pro-vision. Pro means it's for the expediency of the building of the development. If you want to see the vision come to pass, you got to make your provision match the vision. You got to start giving on the level of your vision. Come on, I'm preaching to this house, and the only way it's going to happen, we got to be all in. We got to be all in. We got to get a call of God on our life. God, you can use my resources. God, you come on. We're all in. Somebody ought to give God a praise in this place. Singers, come, whoever. I'm, I'm almost done. History records the life of Hernan Cortez, a Spanish conquistador who was born in 1485. And at the age of 19, he sailed for Hispaniola with Diego Velasquez. And he conquered Cuba and settled there until 1518 when Velasquez appointed him to lead an expedition to Mexico. As Cortez landed on the coast of Mexico with a force of 700 men, he knew that this could be the most dangerous mission that they had ever undertaken. Not knowing exactly what they would find, it was the uncertainty that was probably the most nerve-wracking. Would they find the Incas to be a fierce people ready to defend to the death? Or would they find wild animals ready to tear them limb from limb? Or would starvation threaten these mighty warriors? Cortez knew that once he set out to conquer this new land, that there would be many obstacles uh, to overcome uh, but the reward uh, would be great. Uh, he knew uh, that there would be many opportunities uh, to turn around uh, and go back uh, to the safe land uh, that they had already conquered, uh, a comfort zone. 
Cortez knew uh, that if given the opportunity, uh, many would be tempted uh, to turn around uh, when the battle heated up. Uh, so after each uh, of these 700 warriors uh, disembarked from their ships uh, and made it onto the shore, uh, Cortez uh, burned his ships in the harbor, thereby committing uh, his entire force uh, to survival uh, through conquest. Uh, Hernan Cortez uh, secured his place uh, in history uh, as the man uh, who conquered Mexico uh, simply because uh, he removed uh, all opportunity uh, to turn back. Uh, he made up in his mind uh, that I will either conquer this land uh, or I will die trying. Uh, but I uh, am not uh, going uh, back. Uh, in other words, uh, I'm uh, all uh, in. Come on, right now, God's calling this church uh, to respond to the word of the Lord in this place. Uh, come on, I want you to lift your hands right now. Uh, if you're a member of this church, uh, if you're part of this church, uh, I want you to jump out of your seat uh, and run to the front of this building. Uh, come on, uh, if this is your church, uh, if this is your man of God, uh, I want you to jump out of your seat. Uh, we're making a commitment today. Uh, I'm all in. Uh, we're making a commitment this morning. Uh, you can count on me, God. Uh, we're making a commitment this morning. Uh, I'm not sitting on the sidelines anymore. Uh, I'm not sitting in retirement anymore. Uh, come on, lift up your voice. Uh, lift up your hands. Uh, somebody right now uh, needs to start repenting. Uh, God, I'm not going to complain anymore. Uh, God, I'm not going to murmur anymore. Uh, come on. Uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. Come on, somebody pray. Son, bind the devil. Bind the devil in Jesus' name. Tonight, tonight, we got a right to shake the foundation. Come on, Shout it today. Somebody ought to shout it in this place. I'm all in. Come on. Let's build it high. Let's build it wide. Every promise. Every blessing. Come on, Ark. Come on, Apostolic Revival. to do. I want every sister to find a sister. I want every brother to find a brother. Today, we're making a fresh commitment to God that we're all in. 
that number one shout we're one people come on somebody shout we're one people we're one language and we're doing one thing now somebody shout we're all in give God a praise I want you to pray with the person next to you pray with the person next to you come on pray with your brother pray with your sister come on we're going higher we're going higher 